0: So Yo, didn't I beat now. you last week in fantasy? Uh, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. That did happen, didn't it? I was, yes, you did. I was just making um, sure my memory was correct. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm two, I'm two and two now, so you know I'm in a good position. And, uh, to,
0: I started off 0 two, so uh, you know I haven't uh, picked have <laughs> up a little bit, but we back, we back in it.
2: What's up? I'm four, I'm, I'm, four, I'm four and zero. Oh. Four and O. Oh yeah, well, that's cool. That's the beginning oh, of the scene. You Wake your butt up
3: oh God! Leapy Head. Wake up. Wake up,
2: Wake up, Mr. West! Wake up, Mr. West! Mr. West! Mr. West! Mr. West! <laughs>
0: What's going on, everybody? Uh, My name is Hobson Randall McCain III, and I am here to you today with one of my good friends, Daryl Jones. Uh, How you doing, Daryl?
1: I'm good. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well. well. Um, Daryl is the host of the Less of a Man podcast, Um, and um, these are his co-hosts here, if you want to introduce them. I know I switched up the order. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, so, nah, it's no order. I'm the Beyonce of the group, and they're the oh really? <laughs> Wow. Um, okay. Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, I'm the host What's of the Less of a funny? Man podcast. Yeah, I'm the host of Less of a Man podcast. These are my co-hosts. This is Shamorg Miller. Edward, for some reason, we call him EJ, on the podcast, Cook, and Rod and Lord. So, we all come together. We have our, our podcast where we discuss basically the life through a black male so we talk about mental health we talk about toxic masculinity are we protecting black women voting police uh interactions so we have a bunch of we talk about lost relationships so we talk about different views from a black male and it's more barber shop. so we don't take ourselves too seriously we joke around a lot but we talk about serious topics as we're joking around
0: yeah um so welcome you guys we appreciate y'all um joining us here today uh, my name, like I said, my name's Hobson. I'm host of Woke and Restless podcast. Um, and with me, we have um, the head of Woke and Restless Black Women, Bria Harrison. We just made that title up. They <laughs> literally
4: just made that <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, we <laughs> just made
0: up. Fifteen minutes. We got like, we're, yeah, nah, we're rocking with it. Yeah, no, we rocking with it. That's that's our thing. <laughs> that's how, you, how you forever. doing,
4: Bria? I'm good. How y'all? you are just making stuff up. <laughs> hey,
0: we gotta we gotta roll with the punches sometimes. The big shoes. Yeah, we do. I've been on here like, what, three times now? So, yeah, you know, so, it, it fits. Um, yeah, so Welcome Restless is basically, basically just a podcast built around um Black commentary and politics and just having necessary conversations um, within the political, the socio-political and economic world that we feel that Black people um, generally don't get that perspective from. Um, so we have those conversations. We release episodes every two weeks. We have a Facebook page that we'll link at the end. Um, but we wanted to link up with less of a man because... We love what they've been doing um, with their episodes, and they you guys have like lessons and stuff like that, where you guys are, you know, teaching folks how to be better people and all this, you know. <laughs> man, um, man. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. This <laughs> yeah, is fantastic. It's fantastic. But um, me—if uh, you guys don't know—I have a co-host. His name is Kermit. He's in law school right now, so he's in and out um, whenever he's available. But we have always wanted to do a panel on interracial relationships um, within the Black community. Um, reason being, uh, obviously, you know, the tension between the Black and the white community right now, um, I won't say it's at an all-time high because slavery and, you know, history, um, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty significant right now, right? Um, so we just wanted to kind of have a conversation about where, one, Black people, Black men, Black women, where our heads are um, in terms of dealing with Black people, one, in the workplace, Two in your personal lives, and then three in like a romantic sense, and just how that fits within Black culture. Um, so I know we're going to start it off with the workplace, um, and you know everybody here is you know working, been in a corporate setting or been in uh, a work setting with white people at one point or another. Um, I know that I'm a paralegal, so I guess I'll start off with my little personal antidote. Um, but I'm a paralegal, and I work at a predominantly white law firm. Um, it's I'm a collection paralegal, so. Um, that is what it is, but I talk to a lot of black people every day, but I don't see them very much, um, because of what I do. Um, so it's always interesting to me, you know, especially on like your first few days going into the office and kind of like reading out, you know, you have like that, that, that period where you're just kind of like scoping everything out, acknowledging the other black people, you know, like, Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? And then, like, there's always that moment where, like, the black people get together. I know my, me and my roommate worked at the firm, and we got together with the other, the one other, the one other black dude at the firm. Um, and it was just like, all right, give it to me straight. Like, what, what's what around here? You know, who, who can we rock with? Who can we not? Do you guys have those kind of like interactions with, you know, do you have that safe place with black people in your workplace? Or, um, you know, how, how, how do white people make you feel? welcome when you when you first introduced to a um, work environment well
1: i'll go first um so i worked for a software company Mm -hmm. and at at one point for like two years i was the only black male at the at the uh, at the office so it was it was strange because when i first navigated corporate i realized that white people don't know how to talk to us and most of them never really been around black people or they showed that they have never been around black people. Yeah. I had one person quoted me Kanye West lyrics and then got mad that I didn't know the lyrics. And I'm like, we're not, <laughs> wow. we're not, yeah, we're not sitting around like gossiping about Kanye West and all like, that's not what we're all doing. But what you said was kind of funny because once more black people came, it would be a space where all the black people would just hang out. Like we were all talking and then we could really like, we have our slang and our code language of how we talk and we felt like at that space, we could be us. Because yeah. once we go corporate, network, we got to put on, as black people, we have to put on a face all the time. And as soon as we get to work, I have to put on a face. If I do anything, I'm the angry black man, or I have an attitude, or I'm I'm hood or whatever. And we have to put on a face, so we have to have these pockets where we can kind of be ourselves. Yeah. So quick story, I'm gonna let somebody go after I tell the story, Um, the guy, uh, one of the guys that I work with came to me, a white guy, he was like, he was like, I heard about code switch and heard y'all talking about code switching. What does that mean? And I explained to him, I was like, code switching basically is, is we have to act a certain way in front of white people. And he was like, he said, I want you to know that you don't have to code switch with me. And I said, with all due respect, yes, I do. <laughs> and and, and, and they, they just don't understand us in a sense, is, is what I learned working in corporate America. I let somebody else
3: go. Next. Um, my, well, I, I've been an engineer going on about probably 15, 16 years now, and I've been in um, various engineering, I guess, roles as far as, the, you know, me being the only Black person um, in my group, and as well as being in a very diverse team. Um, definitely, when I was in a more diverse team, um, it was definitely easier to interact with um, white, ind- white people. And, and then, of course, it's still the same thing. Whenever you go to a new job, all the Black people... Search out for the black people and of course we have our own language that we kind of keep amongst ourselves but so I, I can honestly say in my first two roles it was actually a pleasant experience when it came to working um with um my white counterparts so i didn't really run into any issues in, terms, in those roles mm-hmm. now when i went to in my roles when i was the only um black individual not necessarily the, first, the only black individual in a facility but just the only black individual that was in management it was almost like I was in the house and everybody else was in the field in a sense because um you know about all the you know I was on the floor, the majority of the manufacturing workers were black, and here I am, you know, coming to them as a manager, it's almost like they look at me differently only because I'm in management. Yeah. So in those particular roles, I had a harder time convincing um my my counterparts that okay, I am black, promise me, just because I'm, you know, with the, um, in the house doesn't mean that I can't roll with y'all type vibes. So that was kind of my experience. Being in that type of environment, so I've had it both ways. Where, and also I could think of a story that I had working at this company in Greenwood, where we was all in the office one day, and you know we were talking about a white guy was talking about another white guy, and the way he said, "Man, that cracker get on my nerves." You know, I can't stand that cracker. And I'm like thinking, "Can white folks say that in front of me?" Yeah. Right. That, that, means, that almost offends <laughs> <spins> me. Yeah. <Like. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> when I'm here, what, what you describe me? Just kind of how I felt. You know with that story but so i've had it you know both ways where i've had been in a diverse environment which, had, which was the best of me and then the environment where you know i'm the only white guy i mean i'm black guy on the team so you were right so, saying white guy i know you're gonna say something i always
5: <laughs>
3: because
5: <laughs> um, so, for me i mean i've had it mostly well both ways i've worked in a lot of industries so um, I would say for being a supervisor at Starbucks, it's different, it's very diverse. And I feel like the people are more culturally aware there. Mm. They pay attention to what's going on in the climate. So they try to adjust and they try to actually ask questions to understand as opposed to like assuming, right? Um, I've also worked for Delta where the airline industry is predominantly white with flight attendants. You'll see black flight attendants, but predominantly it's a white industry. Um, that That's where we actually had to create our own um, groups to be able to associate with other Black uh, airline industry workers. Um, there was a point where we weren't allowed to wear Black Lives Matter pins. So we put a committee together to run it through and eventually they are supporting that cause as well. So I've had it on both sides, um, there is code switching, of course that happens because even in the airline, especially in the airline industry, you saw that you were treated a little bit differently, not only by other flight attendants, but also by the customers yeah. that were flying. So you kind of have to kind of you know figure it out. Um, but I think it works well when you're able to kind of come together. So at least you feel like secure, you feel supported, so.
0: Yeah, so um, I, I didn't mean to I know Rodden and Bria didn't get to tell y'all stories. I, I don't know if we're doing like an anecdotal story before every conversation, but <laughs> a, few things, um, a few things that I, that I thought was really um, funny was that we all talked about code switching in some sense. And I remember when I was coming up, um, you know, especially when, like right when I graduated college and I was trying to get a job, you know, my dad was very prominent about telling me, you know, make sure I got a very, you know, nice professional haircut, make sure that, you know, um, you know, he would, he would even suggest that I just go places that, because I wanted to work at a law firm, he was like, just go places that lawyers have lunch, and be dressed in a, you know, real nice suit, and, you know, present yourself in a way that is acceptable, and and to me, it was like, present your way in, in a way that's acceptable to them, because if you guys know, you know, I'm a, I'm a former athlete, um, you know, while I'm very articulate, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty smart. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy, you know, getting all um, what I call profession, professionalized. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I was kind of resistant to that idea, but as soon as I started doing it, you know, interviews and stuff start coming in, interviews and stuff start coming in. So um, do you think that, like, we as Black people should have to, you know, hold back parts of ourselves, whether it be, cause you know, I got little twists now and stuff like that. And some people would say, if I'm, you know, if I'm going into a job interview, this is not a good look. Right. You know, so should we have to worry about um, things of that nature, really simple things that don't, don't affect our capability to perform a job. um, But it's just something
4: that's ingrained in society. Um, I've told myself I'm not cold switch anymore when it comes to like jobs and stuff. Because, like, even with my hair, like, obviously, I'm natural. And um, being a black woman and navigating through corporate America is different. Um, You know, as far as being a woman as a whole, you're perceived as how you look. Um, And I'm from Houston, Texas. I have accent. I know I have accent. I speak well, um, but I have accent. And uh, I moved from Texas to Florida, and I didn't realize how much of an accent I had until I did that. And I was just like, well, it's not going anywhere. And I'm 27 years old and I've gone through like lip work in corporate America and when I actually moved to Atlanta I told myself that I'm going to go on my interviews with my hair because if a job won't hire me because of my natural hair then it's not a job that I want to be in to begin with. If they can't see the beauty of diversity and true diversity then it's not something it's not even a place in which I would want to have to go to every day. Um, Like I said, there's a, there's obviously a difference between being professional and then being like, you know, in common spaces. So I'm always professional, but feeling like I have to like code switch, I refuse to do that because either you're going to accept me for who I am and understand that I can do my job with my hair looking the way it looks, or you're going to look past it. Um, To the point to where even uh, me and Hobson, I showed him my resume because I got let go due to COVID um and so you know i've been applying to jobs and i actually have my picture on my resume and i'm a graphic designer and like wellness so it's a little different um rather than typical corporate america but he saw my picture on and he was just like well i didn't think black people did that and i was just "Well, well i'm black you know like it's like when they ask you a question like what are you i put black like i'm obviously a female like it's Either you're going, like, I'd rather them look at my resume and say, no, I don't want her. I did to waste my time for me to go in. And I know other black people see it different because like, well, I just want to get a foot in and then I change myself. But it's like, I don't feel like I should even have to do that to begin with because it automatically puts a certain like preference on myself, especially as a black woman. Like if I go in with a wig on, they're going to be expecting a wig, you know? So the, the moment, and I've had this happen, the moment that I don't wear a wig, they're looking like, I don't know who that is you know, and it creates a whole nother issue, then me just like, I, I look the same, I sit in the same place every day, but the minute I change my hair, it's like, you know, and so I just really decided, like, I'm not with switching anymore, and if you can't accept, you know, Bria for who she is and what she looks like, then, you know, especially um, at my old job, it was apparent that they were trying to feel like a diversity quota, because when I got hired, it wasn't that many black people, And then it it had been a bunch of black people, and then they laid off people, so, you know, first in, first out, I mean, last in, first out. So, that's how, you know, that went. But yeah, I do understand why black people feel the necessity too. I just decided for myself that I'm not.
2: I think Go ahead. Well, for me, I've been in jobs where it's been diverse and it's never like corporate American. My last two jobs, especially the one I have now, um, they've all been predominantly black. Atlanta Police Department uh, is 75% black so um, I mean I do have instances where people feel like you shouldn't say certain things like I say nigga a lot (laughs) and I say it in the office I don't care and I say it around white people and they be like yo (laughs) there's white people around (laughs) and I'm like and I'm like I don't care what the fuck nigga 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 (laughs) nigga (laughs) <laughs> what? Well,
1: can we say, are we good at I didn't realize that. Yeah, hey, okay, I don't want to keep
2: for it. It. <laughs> No, for real, like, I did that one day. I think I was talking to my homeboy. And I was like, nigga, shut up. And there was like, just like, white people there. I was like, I'm like, the fuck, nigga, 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 nigga. What are they going to do? Complain to OPS about something? So someone? so it's fine. I'll go to ops. they're
3: gonna tell me. To I think we need a counter on this on, for this episode on how many times Rodney gonna say the n word. Actually, okay, we can't. We, we like, need to go on right it.
0: in the top, the top, right corner. <laughs> we might do that. But, um, but <laughs> no, that, I mean, that's, that's funny. Not that's not funny you say it. that because me and me and Kerm actually had a conversation about whether or not like we thought it was okay for black people to say the n word in the workplace. Um, and, and the reason we brought this up is because um. And obviously, I'm not going to give any details because I'm not trying to put nobody on the spot. But a, a place that I was previously employed, they were they were very, very comfortable. You know, they were all white, very comfortable with each other, very, like, um, friendly atmosphere, very family-like atmosphere. So, you know, they would walk around the office and, you know, I think we can recognize that white people tend to joke a little bit differently than black yeah. people do, yes. especially, yes. you know, in settings where generally we wouldn't be making jokes, you know, at work. That's not really a place where I'm about to be cracking out all my raunchy jokes, right? But, you know, it, at this job, people were comfortable doing that. Um, but me and Kerm were there, and we just had the conversation. Like, we're obviously allowed to curse. We're good to curse, and we're good to, like, make jokes and stuff. But if we, in conversation with each other, use the N-word, do, like, would that present a problem? And and my Kerm was like, we should we should be able to use it 100%. You know, 100%, like, that, that's we've, um, you know, changed it to, uh, to mean what we have it mean. And like, it's a camaraderie term for us. And that's something that we hold dear. So in conversation with ourselves, in conversations with our um, friends and stuff like that, if we want to use that word, then cool. I, on the other hand, was like, no, nah, that's dead. Like, you know, because I just believe that at a certain level, you're going to be making someone uncomfortable. In order to do business with people, they have to be comfortable with you. Um, and and whether we like it or not, white people got money right now. So if if black people want to elevate and get to the that that same level of status, people do need to be comfortable with you to a certain extent, right? So so where is where is that balance? Like
2: yeah, uh, I think it, I think it comes with like I, your job. I mean, I have a job where yeah. what they're gonna do to me? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And it, it, but then it's like working no, in South America, I, you I make that. yeah.
3: Like police aren't accountable. I don't know if that's
2: really a good example to you. say that? Um, no, I mean, wrong. I mean, in but the I workplace, guess. in the workplace, what they're going to, what are they going to do to me if I say it? You know what I mean? If I make you yeah, uncomfortable? Yeah, you're different.
1: You're different. Yeah. than right. us In the office. So of that's business, what, yeah. So that's
2: what I'm saying. But it depends. I guess it depends on the atmosphere that you're working in, like right. the field yeah. you're working yeah. in. So right. I mean, I think it's also like a working in corporate as
4: well. Yeah. So, like, I think it's also for the
3: comfort of the person as well. Like, you kind of got to, not only you have to gauge the white people you work with, you also got to gauge the black people you work with as well. So, if you get to the point that you have that type of comfort level with the person that you're working with, like, me personally, I, I try not to use the word, but one's going to slip every now and again, you know, because, you know, because it only explains the situation that I may be in at the time.
5: So... <laughs> did <laughs> You ever say that word? Like, I, not not, I ain't heard you ever say that ever word. Yeah. Just well, let me.
0: Say,
1: there was, Um. I think it also depends. We should depict if we're going to use the word or not. As long as we do yeah. it, I'm fine. Like you said, Carmen is great. And you said, like me, on the workplace, I don't. And I, tr- I, I, let's, listen, I say nigga a like, lot. But I try not to say it because there was no, there's no other word to me that says you used to be property than that word so mm-hmm. for me personally i try to stay away from it but i'm not mad at anybody who does it mm-hmm. so like for me because i work in computers every time i tell somebody use the incognito window i have to tell myself don't say incognito like don't like i have to keep, like, you know, and i was like it slipped one time but it was to a black person but so it was like, being up being hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was funny when that happened, but I knew it was gonna happen, but we like i'm I'm proud of you bro. If, if, if you got to the level that you're not gonna do it, I still feel like I'm very cautious
4: and, well part of mine is, is too like as a black woman we get that we get certain stereotypes put on us that y'all mm-hmm. don't get you know
2: exactly.
4: and it's mm-hmm. like I remember i was this has't do with the workplace, but I was like twenty in my early 20s, because I was like, it was like a summer and I went home and me and my friends went out to eat. And I remember we, see, we received the worst, some of the worst service I've ever received in my life. But it's because the waitress saw a bunch of black, young black women and assumed we were not going to tip and she treated us based off of that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: in that moment, it's like funny how those little moments hit you. But in that moment, I really like, mind you, me and all my friends tip. We tip based off service. So if you give good service, you'll get good tips. Meaning like, she could have got like there was five or six of us, so she could have got 5 or $10 for each person. Like, so she, she could have got like, clinked up on tips. Um, mm-hmm. And we barely, like, we ate very little. It was just, you know, girl time. Um, but in that moment, it makes you angry because you're like, my money, I'm spending just the amount, same amount of money as everybody else, but you're treating me a certain way because of stereotypes that you put on me that I had absolutely nothing to do mm-hmm. with me. And so I think that was like one of the first like moments where I stopped like the angry black woman thing. Mm-hmm. And cause I realized how much as a black woman I was policing myself. Yeah. You know? And I realized how much like I won't, I won't allow myself to do this or if I'm receiving trash service, I won't allow myself to speak because I don't want to seem like I'm causing an issue. Um, To the point to where like I was getting my nails done a couple of weeks ago and I had to be, I had to be the angry black woman in, the, in there because I was speaking and saying this is not what I want. And it was going in one end, out the other Mm -hmm. so i think that kind of set the tone for me to be like you're going to play was place whatever stereotypes on me that you feel like you're going to do it has absolutely nothing to do with who i am as a person um i am like i grew up more of like the alternative black girl so it was a lot of like black references i get some i don't like you know so it's when dealing with people you know you get just Uh, especially as a black woman it's so many stereotypes and negative stereotypes that you get put on you that i was just like you know i'm gonna let people view me however they view me my resume says a certain thing the way i present myself says a certain thing and if you can't look past that that has absolutely nothing to do with me and what's what um is for me is mine and what's not is not and so if you close that door that just means another one's gonna open somewhere else in a better environment or better situation like i said like i don't say I say nigga to, like, the black folks and the certain black people, you know, in the office. Um, but I don't typically curse because I just don't think it's professional, yeah. you know, um, as a whole. So it doesn't have to do with the fact of, like, code switching for me. It's just, like, like the white woman, like, they, they would curse, and it would slip here and there. But for the most part, you know, I feel like professional looks a certain way. So I don't code switch. I'm just professional because I'm in a professional environment, not, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to, like – Dilute myself right. for white people because I'm in a white space.
3: But I also want to add that it's okay to play the game a little bit as well too, because
4: oh, I, I mean, of course. Oh yeah,
3: but I was just, I was give the example of my wife because if when she first go on an interview, the the uh, the wig is coming on. But as soon as she gets the job and walk through the door, it's natural hair all day, <laughs> every day, and that's how she knows.
4: and I yeah. get that, but especially yeah. for me, like my hair is such like. I, I was permed most of my life. And I guess it's a different thing. You know, I was like, I had perms, my hair was straight. So even me, like, cutting my hair off, it's very, like, sacred. And when I do wear my hair, you know, like, it's it's a part of who I am. So it's like, if you can't accept my hair for the way it is, you're not accepting me for what I am. And black, I don't there is a stigma when it comes to black men, because I've heard it from black men's it's forward their natural hair wearing in the workplace. But for black women, like, literally me just wearing my hair just the way it is, is, like, a sign of rebellion. And it's not rebellion for me, it's, like, self-love. So if yeah. you can't, like, you know, it's, like, an extension of myself. And, like, I've, I've played the game, I've done that, but it's, like, I'm just at the point to where I'm not going to, because me wearing my hair in a hot puff doesn't make it any less professional than a white woman wearing her hair in, a like, a dirty, like, in a whatever bond you know it's like yeah. it's, there's no difference and if you see a difference then you know that's completely on you and that shows that's a representation of how you are and how you're going to treat me being in that position absolutely so
0: so branching out a little bit from the work from the workplace um, you know because obviously in the workplace those are kind of situations that you're kind of forced into I mean like you know you signed up to be into the job or whatever but you don't get to choose your coworkers. you don't get to choose who you deal with at work Um, But in terms of, like, your friends and your personal life, um, I know that for me, I grew up in a – at the time, it was probably about 50-50 between white people and minorities in high school. Um, But on my football team, I had a very distinct group of friends. One was my white friends and one was my black friends. Um, Was – did y'all have, like, a – or I guess guess in y'all's lives now, do y'all have, like, a similar experience where you, you feel like you got, like, your white friends that you hang out with? And like you give them, I guess, professional, whoever or uh, black person, uh, and uh, and, I, and I see I see you uh, making a face at me. So mm-hmm. let me preface. Are um, always making a face. Don't make a face don't work for that.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. So so like, for me, it's like when I'm with my white friends, it's not that I'm like, um, like professional. I, I I I still say everything, but I don't bring up like certain issues. Like I'm not going to talk about the debate like with my white friends. It's just like, I'm
2: with
4: you, you I mean, know, I'm I don't, I don't
0: feel like having any conversation. I don't have white friends
4: that I don't, I can't talk to about issues. Okay. See, no, I that's, a, that's, a, that's Yeah, I,
2: I'm, I'm the same yeah. way. I don't, I don't have white friends I can't talk to about yeah. stuff like this, yeah.
4: Yeah, like my white friends be posting Black Lives Matter and then like arguing with their aunts and their uncles about how they racist. So I don't have, I don't have yeah. that kind of white friends. I just yeah. don't. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I did at one point, but you know. You kind of evolved. Yeah. Yeah, you evolved that? You, yeah. uh, your circles so, so
5: as you get older. So like what you tolerated, like when you're younger, when you're older, you now have downgraded them to like associates. So you wouldn't call them a friend. They wouldn't be a person that you interact with at that level. You know them, you under you know, you've known of them, you've been around them. But like if they're not on the same par with you, it's kind of like they're not your friend. So, so uh, before, before the whole
0: Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that, would you guys have and I'm and this is all me assuming. So if you guys aren't Democrats or liberal or um not Republicans, yeah. then let me know. But like were were you guys able to have friends with like Republicans? You know, like because that that's all of my friends and that all of the people that I was talking about, they were all I knew that they were Republican when I was in high school. Like, you know, I lived in I live in Gwinnett County, Brookwood, all the white people over there is Republican essentially. So, you know, I knew who they were and but they weren't, like, <laughs> racist. Like I mean, yeah. at, at least when I... I didn't notice... I didn't notice any racist shit while I was yeah. growing up. Now, when I went to college, when I went to college and I started taking these political science classes and kind of, like, like waking up my head, you know, um, I start checking their asses on some shit, you know? Like, I'd be like, hey, that's not cool no more. You know, we're not doing that. That's dead. And they respected it. And so, like, the ones that didn't respect it, just like y'all said, dead, like, y'all are y'all exist but somewhere else right um but the people who they they can they 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 respect you enough to hear your Mm -hmm. your outcries your 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 uh grievances or what may have you um and, and not only do they hear them but they address them and make the change like to me that i feel like that's um even even if it's like not a political understanding it's at least a respect like they they at least they respect you enough to make that change even if they're, you know, saying wild shit with their friends, and I don't know if they are or not, but yeah. I assume that they aren't because they don't with me. So I don't yeah, know if that I changes think, y'all' perspective. I at all. Think,
1: but I think we have the preference by saying it's not, uh, it, it, not before Black Lives Matter. I think it's before Trump. So I think yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, if you were before Trump, then you could probably be friends with Republicans. Like to be honest, I grew up in all black areas, mm-hmm. all black areas. So I ain't had white friends like that until I joined the fraternity. Like, I went to an HBCU. So I went to all black areas. So I didn't have white friends like that. Um, my first time being around white people, I was a kid and it was in this big house and I thought all white people lived like this. I was like, this is great. Yeah. But um, I think it's a change when, when, you, when you're talking about Trump. Yeah. Republican, because I didn't even know if they were Republican, I can tell you if they were Republican, not until Trump happened. So I think yeah. Trump has empowered people to be this racist to be this outspoken and i think that's the friend that you can i don't care white or black if you are a trump supporter that's a person i can't hang around republican or not
4: i don't i can't think like even when the whole trump became who he is like all my all my friends who are white like they were still in the same like nah you know it was um That was never like a switch for us because we had a basic understanding. But I'm also very outspoken about who I am, what I believe in and those type of things. So I don't tend to hang around people who I don't feel like match those same type of energies. Um, And like the whole Republican thing doesn't matter to me either because like there are plenty of liberal white people who are racist. So when we talk about like Republican liberal, like I've been around a bunch of, especially white women, White women, liberal women, are worse than Trump supporters, and mm. I don't care what nobody says. At least I'd rather know difference. <laughs> <that laughs> <way laughs> <before laughs> you be in my face, and then I'd be like, what? You know, like, yeah. no. So it doesn't. It's not really like the Republican. Yeah, yeah my my friends haven't changed. Like I've had the yeah. same white friends pretty much. I mean, I have new <laughs> white friends now, and they they too are on fuck Trump. So. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs>
3: I want to add him that Hobson say that I think we as black folks probably made a mistake on, because when we look at Trump, like we just look at Trump and like like that just racist go off in our mind. But I think one of the mistakes that we made as um as black people is that we categorize every Republican individual as racist. So when you look at previous candidates like a Bush or a, um, a Romney or um, any of those candidates or a McCain, I mean they pale in comparison when we look at, you know, the 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 people that we have in office today. Mm-hmm. So those individuals may not have been, they may not have a full understanding of our culture, but we may have just um kind of categorized them as racist just because they were considered to be Republicans. So to kind of touch on what Daryl was saying, we do have that tendency to kind of lump racism and Republicans um into the same category. Let me clarify by saying I'm not Republican.
2: I'm also, I'm
0: <laughs> oh. Ed, Ed don't seem convinced. <laughs>
3: um, I just want to clarify that. But he
5: has to say this all the time.
3: Because like, because not kind of a Republican issue. What I was saying, so I want to clarify that at first. But, but I think that. But to that point, I think we got we got to start looking at individuals beyond their party lines and kind of look at them based off their actions. Because mm-hmm. your actions speak on you being racist more than your party, in my opinion. Yeah,
4: and me and Popson had this conversation, because we talked about how, like, I don't the, this one c- because somebody's a white person's Republican. I don't think they're racist. Like realistically, if you're if you're white and you got money, it makes sense to vote Republican because you're gonna get some tax breaks. I mean, do from a, like a from mm-hmm. a business perspective. But mm-hmm. it's like once you get into the point to where you're like, are you a Trump supporter? Like, do you believe in dope, like the Trump supporter ideals? Like, that's a whole different argument. Because I I, I understand why people are fiscally re- like Republican. Like, mm-hmm. it makes sense. If you got money, you want the tax breaks. Like, you know, you gonna if. It's the meat, but when you add the racism around it, and are you pro people, or are you like okay mm-hmm. with dividing folks? Like, that's a whole different conversation.
5: And yeah, you know, I agree completely. Like, I don't think that everyone does Trump, ev- everyone does throw everyone as like a Republican as being racist. I think there's a majority of people that are not really educated on the breakdowns of the different parties. They might, might do that. Me, myself, I have people that are Black that are Republicans. I'm cool with that. I have people that are white that are Republicans. I'm cool with that. I think the line in the sand is when you start to make excuses for Trump and his behavior, what he said, and those statements, and the things that he does, that's where there's an issue with you. And that's where I'm questioning whether or not you're also racist, because I believe that Trump is racist. I think if you do racist things, make racist statements you're racist period until your actions prove differently
3: just to Um, add one thing and daryl says this all the time like a lot of and daryl this is daryl i think favorite phrase not favorite phrase but a lot of black individuals probably would be republican if they care a lot more about black issues because republicans necessarily do not from a social perspective represent what black people are looking for or need right now probably from a religious or Fiscal responsibility is probably more aligned with what Black people want, but they can't cross that line only because of the social issues where they, that they're not making those movements of understanding why we as Black folks are saying Black Lives Matter and then those things. So I think that's important
1: to add as well. So, yeah, well, well you know. let me let me say what I was saying was and it counts what Shar Ambry was saying. If it was strictly about money, a lot of us would be Republican. Mm-hmm. But the reason we're not is because it's a morality issue Mm -hmm. i told and and i'm interested how would you feel about this if republicans cleaned up this part of it about social injustice black lives matter if they clean up that i believe it would probably be a mass exodus from democrats to republicans if they just cleaned up their morality issue now of course trump gotta go but if they put a hard sand on injustice black lives matter if they would walk march with us instead of against us I believe especially heterosexual Black males would move over to the Republicans.
0: Uh, Yes, 100%, I agree. Black males would jump ship so quick it would be crazy. But I would say that um, I think educated Black women and educated Black males would stick with the Democratic Party. And I only say that because um, a lot of the fiscal policies that allow tax breaks and things of that nature are oppressive economically to the lower class, which is th- thus oppressive to Black people. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's like the fiscal. If you got the money, yeah, but most Black people don't got the money. So it's the like money. you know. Um,
4: but Especially too, as a Black woman, uh, like yeah. I said, if it was just a money thing, but then it's like not only is it the Black thing, it's the woman mm-hmm. thing, because that's a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's why you know, I wanted to clean like, up, it wasn't cleaning up for me to be like, yeah. You know? yeah <laughs> that's why I wanted to
1: clean it up with Char. It wasn't It wasn't black people it was black males. Yeah, that's you know.
3: Yeah, that's what our conversation yeah. But so to your point, they have a lot to clean up before black, any before black person, person goes anywhere. Is right. what we're saying. Yeah. So
0: so um this will be the last question on on the on the personal aspect, but we talked a little bit about um how white people's lack of understanding of Black culture can lead to some of these um, misunderstandings, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess we'll call them. Um, and and I, I think it's interesting to distinguish, because, Ed, you talked a little bit about how, like, if a white person could justify um, something that Trump says, then that's when that question, like, pops up in your head, right? Is that racism? Um, how do you distinguish between if it's racism And if it's just ignorance, because, um, you know, the first time that I went to to Lehigh, Lehigh is like 5% black, whole bunch of rich white kids. Trump's nephew went to the school. Um, Mm -hmm. But I met a kid, I met a kid and he told me that I was the first black person that he had ever seen in person. Like he had seen people on TV and all that. And like, he, he had like, you know, looked it up on the internet or whatever, but he had never like interacted with a black person in a physical sense. And, you know, like me, I came from a very diverse childhood, so I'm like, what do you talk, like, what do you mean? Like, there's no Black people on your, like, at the store? Like, nowhere? And he's just like, nah. And so it's like, I could, um and and obviously, this, if y'all have watched, listened to the episode, you know, Woken Restless is not one to be uh, Mr. White Sympathy and, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, <laughs> you know, forgive and, forgive and forget all this. Um, but, I could understand how that white person could hear something that Trump says and be like, there is no way that he could mean that, you know, like, like when, 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 when Trump said uh, we should get rid of um, the diversity training, I don't know the exact words that he used, but said the diversity training was racist. Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: I could see a white person hearing that and being like, There's n- like there has to be something wrong with the program. He wouldn't just say like, you know, that doesn't even make any sense. But that's bred, that's bred not from a place of like malice necessarily, but a place of just, I like, I just don't know. Um, and at one point, do we, like, say, you don't know so much that we're leaving you behind and we just don't care?
4: You it's know, their or- willingness to be able to take in the information.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
4: like, I believe, like, cause I, I mean, I'm one of those people. I have all kind of friends. So I don't really, I judge people based off of, like, who they are as a person, not, like, what you look like, your sexual oriented. No, I don't care. Um, and I have white friends who ask me questions, they'll be like, I don't mean to be like disrespectful, but I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. or like I put a post one day about my hair and one of my white friends was just like, I know this wasn't for me, but thank you because I don't even I don't really understand, you know, black hair. So I think when they're coming from a place of trying to understand, that's one thing. Um, I think Mia, you had a conversation before to where I feel like some of the white people because white people don't have to live in the same reality that we live in, that sometimes things happen and they try to excuse things because in their mind, there's no way, I don't inherently think white people are bad. I think their system's put and there's conditioning that happens. Um, So if it's a white person who like, they don't live a certain reality when they're looking at it, they're like, well, why would they do that? You know, like when we say certain stuff and it's just like, well, he killed them because he was black and they'd be like, well, why would he do that? Like there has to be another reason. And it's like, no, that is the reason. And for somebody who doesn't live our reality to them, that doesn't make sense. So I think sometimes they're just trying to like wrap their head around. And I feel like a lot of people, white people are doing it, even though we've been saying it, but now I think they're starting to like wrap their head. So it's like that point of, are you just sticking in your ignorance or are you actually trying to inform yourself? And if you're not trying to, if you're asking questions, not necessarily asking questions, if you're responding to argue with me rather than to listen, then I don't have anything else to say.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. I think it, the biggest thing is the, in the communication. Like you have a conversation with that person to see where they're coming from first. And then you make a determination from that conversation. So if you ask, if they say, if you say something and then they ask you a question towards it and you have a reply and they're like, okay, maybe I get it or whatever, or we have a healthy conversation, then you can gauge that they may not be racist. Mm-hmm. But then when they start doing the whole rebuttal and, All the other shit that goes along with you want to justify certain things then you understand their true nature
5: i think the person has to have an understanding of what things are considered racist or what things are offensive period and i think that we talk about okay well if you become complicit you can be uneducated you can be ignorant about something at the moment that you have been taught you have been told and you continue that behavior you're now just moving blatantly into racism, right? Mm. Can you change later on? Yes, I think people can change from being racist to not being racist. It's not easy, especially if it's something that's deeply rooted and that's how you grew up. But I think at the point where you have been given the opportunity to understand someone else's perspective, their life, their culture, how they live, how they're viewed, um, their, their perspective, and you completely ignore it and continue with what you think is right, and you're, you've gone into to racism. Yeah. But then I guess also, I, mean,
1: I would say, I, I, I would just think that white people need to find, and first of all, they need to meet black people and be around them to, to be able to have a, a relationship with somebody to act, to be freely to ask the question. So I have a, a white friend, and she asks me, she doesn't ask anything crazy, but mm-hmm. she asks me because she doesn't understand, and we actually have a conversation about it. So they have to be, we, I don't want to say we don't need to get in the back to teaching people anything, but we have to sometimes have difficult conversation and kind of explain to them mm-hmm. why this is. And they have to be open to hearing that and not just trying to be defensive and, and trying to listen to respond, but listen to just understand and empathize at any way they can. So they, finding a Black person is a great way to start.
5: <laughs> Thank <laughs> <y'all> <laughs> got one? Finding mean, a Black person is <laughs> a <laughs>
3: great way to start. Go ahead, Char. No, you pretty much took the word out of my mouth is that, you know, we, like you said, it's not our responsibility to teach the world about being Black, but at the same time, we have to be open to the concept of understanding that people do not understand who we are as a culture. And also to add to Bree's um, comments, we live in their world. So unfortunately, we have to learn how to operate in order for us to survive. Unfortunately, they don't have to worry about doing that. So, that's part of the reason why we probably have that anger of why do i have to explain myself to you but if someone kind of comes to the point where they they want to learn because they genuinely don't understand then we we in a sense do have responsibility to try to like help them understand like where we're coming from or why our culture is the way it is you know so i just think
5: with oh, just sorry. One thing that you said, I think we do have a responsibility in teaching people about how Black people are. I think That's it's accurate. our responsibility to push the narrative around who Black people are. That's our responsibility. Yeah, I agree. That's the issue is that we've allowed for so long for people to tell us how we should operate. And yeah. we need to be in the position of saying, this is a black person. No, a black person is a person that's out on the street that's selling drugs. A black person isn't a person that's always angry. A black person isn't a person that uses slang. Doesn't is not educated. Cannot think about you know the environment and other topics. Cannot have a, a intelligent conversation. That is not a black person. Yeah. So I think it's important that we take that position and start to make our own description. I think yeah, I that's right. right.
2: I, I, agree with, I agree with Ed, because in the simple fact, like, we, we stand by so long and watch a narrative be portrayed about us through the media, mm-hmm. through the TV, through through everything. And then and, and it's been, and so when other people see it, they assume that all Black people are that way, or we're supposed to be that way. So you, that's how you get the stereotypes, and the yeah. picture, you get people feeling like, oh, I should cross the street just because he looks a certain way, yeah. or... I need to clutch my bag because he looks a certain way, but not understanding that most of us are well educated, we're well spoken, mm-hmm. we, we actually can have conversations. Yeah, I like rap music, but I also can talk about
0: politics.
2: Who doesn't? I mean, but but you understand what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. you get portrayed as a thug because the media portrayed you as a thug, yeah. as yeah. as ignorant. You can only be an athlete, a rapper, or <laughs> Or a, or a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. But, but with so,
3: that, I mean, I, I'm, that's an excuse, too, because I don't care if you are in the middle of Iowa. Your perception of Black people should expand beyond being a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I mean, I
4: feel like you should, but, like, one of my yeah. white friends, she grew up in North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, right? Like, she said the only Black people that she, like, knew, like, they were all related, and mm-hmm. they didn't, she didn't go to school with them until uh, high school. So then she got to college, she went to some school, it was diverse, and that was her first time really being around black people. And she didn't realize that a lot of stuff that she had like been taught was racist. Wow. So to the mm-hmm. point where she was just like, oh my God, you know, and she stops, you know, saying certain things or whatever, whatever. And she had a boyfriend who refused, like she told him like, that's not okay. Like we don't say that. And, he, she, refi- and she left him because she was like, I'm not about to be with somebody who's racist. So I feel like if you're in a particular era, it is completely possible before 2020. We gonna say wait. I'm gonna give it to him before. At this point, like, if you, yeah, there's enough information. Right? <laughs> who don't have Who don't have internet.
2: Yeah, exactly. like yeah, any, you saying. have the opportunity yeah.
4: where you can go and educate yourself if you're choosing to remain at this point ignorance is a choice if yeah. you're choosing to remain ignorant that don't have nothing to do with me and i'm not gonna sit there and have conversations with you
0: <laughs> absolutely so big facts <laughs> big facts big facts. i like that that's that's that good energy to end that segment off on um <laughs> <laughs> so um lastly um and this will probably be our shortest one because i know we're running up here on time but um Oh, it makes sense. Obviously, like, this is kind of like the final portion of our discussion. Um, but I guess the first question, have you guys been in interracial relationships? Have you considered being in interracial relationships? Is it something that, and I know that, um, you know, I got, I, I have a significant other. I know Daryl's married, Char's married, and Ra got a fiance. So I, not considering now, but would you consider <laughs> Getting into a relationship, you know, with a white person—obviously, hypothetical.
2: Um, just for your know, significant others. I've never had a serious relationship with a white female, but I've talked to white females. Mm-hmm. Um, will probably never happen again. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but at this point, I don't see it happening because I might end up dead.
5: I don't know, actually, I think I would entertain it. Um, But I think my issue with being a gay black male is that (laughs) with gay men, it's like a fetish. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to wanna try to date someone that's white because they're fetishizing you most of the time. So it's like, I don't wanna be in that situation. I'm not here for your entertainment or consumption in that way. So Mm -hmm. I'm open to dating. Man, I think it would
1: have to be a certain type of white man. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> have to
3: own a yacht. to own a yacht, <laughs> has high 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 high. yacht.
1: So we can be on the yacht.
3: Yeah. Hopkins, just let you know that our chance to get on a yacht is all behind Ed at this point. So um, yeah, so he needs a yacht. Yeah. But, but I would say that my
1: experiences was first of all, my mom growing up. Again, I grew up in all black area. My mom was extremely pro black. I had to read Driving While Black before I could learn how to drive. I had a bunch of Black history books. My mom was so pro-Black, and I tell the guys that's on the podcast, we had a Santa picture. My mom colored it in brown. So that's how serious she was.
4: My
1: mama didn't buy a white Santa. Yeah. So you know. So So we always went to South DeKalb Mall because that's where the Black Santa was growing up. (laughs) Um, My mom didn't play that. So I grew up, I grew up where my mom was like, not having dating white people. Like, mm. she wasn't having it. Now, as I got older, I'm like, raw, I, I talked to one just one time, but I've never dated it. But it's, even then, it's still a culture clash. It's a huge culture clash yeah. where they don't understand. She didn't understand my music. She didn't understand how I taught. She didn't understand slang. It was still such a huge culture clash. And it almost was like she didn't want me around her family. Yeah. Because she probably didn't know how they were going to react to me. Mm-hmm. Which was the first time I dealt with that being I was all in black areas. First time I've ever even that even came up as an issue.
0: Yeah. So I, I remember in the eighth grade I dated a white girl and I remember I told my I told my parents and my mom cried. And wow. I was so confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, been my I mom. Was like I think it was like my first um like it was my first like official girlfriend but we were in the eighth grade so like realistically we was like holding hands in the hallway and shit like you know (laughs) nothing really but you know she cried and like my dad had this long talk with me and I was like I'm sitting here and I'm just like wow what's going on um but you know as I grew older I got into college and like I did experience that like um to to a certain extent a lot of the interracial relationship thrives off of that fetish, fetishization like that is a huge part of it um even like you know like the 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 black football players at lehigh they got one sort of treatment compared to like the black kids who were clearly not football players right like the black kids who were clearly not football players got no love on the white side of campus and it's like hmm. i mean like the basketball players and like athletes and stuff sure but like you know the the, re- the regular regular white kid or black kids it's like so y'all just y'all just want the ones that look like Odell. And like, you know, yeah, the the ones that y'all think about to go to the league because that's all y'all got access to right now. Um and, and you know, that made me think back to when my mom was crying. And she wasn't crying because she, you know, she actually ended up liking the, the the girl's family and like she thought she was a nice girl. But it was just more so like, you know, your your first relationship and you, you there was no black women like black girls that you could find that were pretty enough for you like that's that's what she was feeling and of course that wasn't like my what that's my that energy that's not yeah that's angry. not what I meant yeah. Yeah. um but like I understood like it, and even now like I understand dang like there's there's no black woman that you could find there's not one that can fulfill those things for you um and I understand that sentiment not to say that I'm against interracial relationships or anything like that but I do understand that like with, uh, you know, there's 50 million black people in America, 50 million. You tried how many, like what, 10, 15, like, you know, (laughs) give give another one a shot. (laughs) Maybe it'll work out. Um, but, um, do, do y'all hear that kind of like battle between black men and black women? Because I feel like a lot, of, um, a lot of the things we see that's... I know this is kind
2: like, of yeah, nah, like... no, 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 I'm not going to make it too hot.
0: I'm not going to make it too hot. I promise, I promise. you didn't even world. let me finish the question. <laughs> but um, like me and Bria actually have talked about it, but the, the, the relationships that are portrayed, like the representation that's portrayed in the media, a lot of the time you'll have a black man and then, boom! Romantic interest, white woman. A lot of the time, you'll have a black and Bria feels like it's more so um, a black man with a white woman, and I feel like it's more so black woman with uh, a white male. Um,
4: black black yeah, women I agree. Are, yeah. are rarely the love interest in stuff. Like, let's clarify right. that from a, like a, like, a, like, a, like a like a black, like a black movie. Mm-hmm. Black women typically are not the love interest, or if they are, they're typically biracial. Or yeah, so they, or, that's, or, that's a true, that's whole another. That's
1: Oh, and we talked about that actually. <laughs> me and my me and my wife, we were watching um Black as Fuck, Black AF, and we we got to the conversation that even in the black shows, how many they're of the bi-racial. women are fair skinned no,
4: and and, and, hey, and that's I true. True, too, is like. I'm light-skinned, so I know like half the time, sometimes when I talk about stuff, people are looking at me like, what? But I'm I'm a light-skinned black woman. I'm not biracial. And I'm a light-skinned, and there's a difference too. I'm a light-skinned black woman with like very textured hair. So right. the women that typically are like the love interest typically look a certain way. So Even if they're fair-skinned, they have that very like mixed girl hair. So like, yeah.
2: Mm. But no, I had a preference because
1: my wife, y'all met my wife. She's very light-skinned. And yeah. I always have to, but she even, for her, and she's full Black. Her parents are both Black. She's just very mm-hmm. light-skinned. But she even sees it. So we even yeah. had these conversations that, man, there is never, I think the only thing was mixed-ish was her mom was, dark, was, was dark-skinned in the show. But other than that, we had to think of back, like, what was the last time a dark Black woman was, like, the lead?
4: A yeah, like, a rare it rarely happens. And when it's family family
2: matters, matters. a a black movie, you know. First yeah. Prince of Bellier before they switched the to the the one. Yeah, one. but you gotta
1: go back to the
0: nineties. Uh, that's like so far. Away. The one with Lakeith No,
1: uh, But that,
4: but people yeah. look at it as um, a black everybody, movie. Everybody see that's Christ. the problem. Oh, that's anytime a black woman is elite, it's typically a black movie. It's not just a
2: movie. Right.
4: how often are black women elite? Like actual and I I hate to use that. But it—that's it, difference between biracial and then a black woman. Right. How right. often is it an actual black woman who is the lead?
1: Only thing I think of is Sonic. Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: I didn't even oh, know that was a thing. Oh, Sonic. Oh, Sonic, you didn't see
4: the no, movie? Never, we gotta so. watch oh. Sonic
0: movie, Oh,
4: but back to um, the—I personally don't date white men. A uh, part of the reason why I don't date white men is because I am extremely fetishized by not just I'm a fetishized by men as a whole because people automatically assume that I'm mixed. So I typically why are you making the faces? Sorry. <laughs> I typically don't like I just between and I'm from Texas and I'm from Houston and I grew up in racism. Like from a very young age, I was like, Oh, that's racist and that's racist and that's not okay. You know, um, but it's just the between the culture clash and then I just in me being in my blackness, like, I can say that a white man's attractive, but nothing makes, like, has that same, like, I guess, lust towards mm-hmm. a white man that I do uh black men Because they talk about, like, you want a black man? Like, we come in such, that, like, the phenotype of black doesn't exist. Like, it's such a spectrum. So no matter what I w- w- want, you know, like, if you say we want this, you can get that in a black man. Mm-hmm. I dated a guy. He was mixed. And that was an entirely interesting experience because he was, his mom was white oh, and his dad was black and he grew up in Alaska. So he was very oh cool. white. He was removed, he was removed. It was like a whole different, just some of the stuff, like, like even at, even though he was technically black, it you know, he's mixed, but you know, that black is still there. He was so accustomed to more like white culture that our personalities didn't even make sense and he's, you know, biracial. So, like, even me doing that, like, that was my chance to, like, see, like, if no. <laughs> wow. I could help. No.
5: Wow.
2: I will off. say,
5: I will clarify,
2: I've never dated a white. Maybe we should, Edward. We need that yacht. Yeah, we need to do what we
3: need, man. Right. But right. let me say, I wanted to, uh, wait, I want to bring
1: it. up real quick um, my brother. My brother lives in Canada right now. He's half white, too. And I, I, I brought this up on my podcast. He was supposed to come down for my wedding and everything, but he didn't because of COVID. But one thing he said was, I can't wait to come down and be with my black family. And I was like, don't
0: introduce <laughs> it like that. Yeah, yeah. do with just your family. We're not <laughs> black. Yeah, family. Like that. But
1: dude, <laughs> yeah, he does need to see. Us, There's a, that culture he yeah. needs
2: to come in so
4: speaking of that my little cousin she's mixed so my two little cousins they're mixed and they grew up primarily with more of us so they're more like black and my uncle he's the one that he met he, he, he's the he's the white people data i hate to say it like that in the band but he <laughs> married a white woman mm-hmm. her daughter is biracial but she grew up with white people so when she got around us it was like culture shock because she's like y'all and I was like, yeah, girl, we black, we're <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> so used to like, and we we went to like, you know, you start mixing birthday parties and we walk into the room and, you know, we the niggas in the room and it's just quiet. <laughs> I'm like, it's a birthday party, why y'all not loud? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, but it, you know, she's having identity because she was like, well, I'm black, I'm too black. And I mean, I experienced that, but it's different when you're biracial. She's like, I'm too white for the black kids and I'm too black. So I've been having like yeah. to through that, but one of the things that I found interesting is with my uncle dating white women, so he's married to her now. Um, the whole use of like that, that's like, do you use nigga in the workspace? But basically my, like my, I think I said nigga something in front of his wife. And that was before she was his wife and my my Nana, which is my grandmother, just kind of looked at me she was like, do you think you say that? And I was like, Nana. She bringing her way behind into a black space. I'm not doing <laughs> that. Stay in my house. <laughs> That's real, I mean, right there. <laughs> you know, like just, even, even I want to make her feel comfortable. i like, well, she don't feel comfortable being mm. around a black family, then she don't need to marry a black man. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's <laughs> like you know, it. that generational difference because I told you, I don't care. I don't no. I, if I don't close with y'all, I'm sure I'm not close switching in my grandma's house. Like, <laughs> I to, but it's like it's a thing, and i was like, no, we're not doing that. And my mama was like, no, we not. <laughs> so no, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs>
0: um, but with that, um, unless y'all got any other topics that y'all would like to touch on, um, I think we' about ready to wrap it up. Um, obviously, we appreciate everybody who's gonna tune in and watch this. Um, We'll talk about what we're gonna release it once we stop recording. Okay. <laughs> um, can we
3: get our platform, on um, Hopson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, hit it. Ed. Yeah, sure. it's a pla- it's Oh, They got a song.
0: Is it? Is this like a little jingle? Y'all got? Oh, not a jingle.
3: Oh, really? It,
0: Look
5: at I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, go ahead, Shamori. Okay,
3: y'all... we are on Instagram at Less of a Man Podcast. We are on YouTube. Um, at The Less of a Man Podcast. We are on Twitter. I think our Twitter is Less of a Man. We are on Anchor. We are on Apple. What else are we on? We are on SoundCloud. Spotify. 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 So, um, click on the links below. I'm guessing we have links below. And yeah, we have links
0: below. <laughs> We got to do better at the rap. Oh, my <laughs> God. You're terrible <laughs> at this, bro. So,
1: yeah, no, that's,
5: that's why
3: me. I refer to Ed.
5: See? This is <laughs> what you get when you let black Republicans be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Take it shots. But,
2: um,
0: so, yeah, make sure y'all go check out um, uh, my people's page, their podcast, follow, like, share, all that great stuff. Um, you can check us out at Woken and Restless on Facebook, Woke and Restless, uh, at Woken Restless on Instagram at woke underscore n underscore restless on twitter because somebody stole our shit on twitter um, but <laughs> we're, we're also available on all major streaming networks so y'all can search us up make sure y'all share it with a friend and um if y'all like this make sure y'all share it um and get it out there we appreciate y'all for tuning in and um stay happy nice. appreciate y'all.